welcome to the recommendation game a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen and then we meet to discuss it uh, you're listening to dublin digital we Radio. also watched the movie oh yes we watched the movie <laughs> uh, crucial step you're listening to Dub- dublin digital radio i am ricardo deacon i am orla Beginus. and welcome uh, this week's film was chosen by Orla. It is The Shop on Main Street from 1966, directed by Jan Kadar and Elmar Close, uh, written by Ladislav Grossman, Jan Kadar and Elmar Close, based on the novel by Ladislav Grossman, starring Ida Kaminska, Joseph Kroner, Hanna Slivkova, Martin Holly, Frantisek Zvarek, and Martin Greger. Music by Stenedek Liska. Cinematography by Vladimir Novotny. Edited by Diana Heringova and Yaromir Janasic. And the synopsis is In a small town in Nazi occupied Slovakia during World War II, decent but timid carpenter Tono is named Aryan controller of a button store owned by an old Jewish <laughs> widow. Store. Rosalie. Yeah, I can't pronounce button, so <laughs> that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Uh, since the post comes with a salary and standing in the town's corrupt hierarchy, Tono wrestles with greed and guilt as he and Rosalie gradually befriend each other. When the authorities order all Jews in town to be rounded up, Tono faces a moral dilemma unlike any he's known before. Oh, that was nice, concise. Yeah, and I summed it up. I've realized that the, my centuries of watching female tennis gave me the training to be able to pronunciate Slovakian <laughs> names. Innocently watching uh, women's tennis. <laughs> oh come on! I love tennis. Like I watch male and female tennis, but there's a lot more tennis players from that area that are female, on the yeah. top levels. Anyways, uh, why did you pick this movie, Orla? <laughs> First of all, I'd just like to um, thank Ricardo for battling through the snowy weather to get here to me to to, <laughs> to record this podcast. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, like I actually had to uh, force my gate open because it's, uh, it was about knee high in my front garden. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just automatically dated back to the great snow of 2018. I um, hope it's dated to the big snow of 2018. <laughs> This is our lives now. Um, no! <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I struggled uh, over whether to pick this because um, obviously we, we've covered this particular topic so thoroughly and particularly in uh, La Combe Lucienne um, uh, and I wanted to like, I wanted to just kind of give a good long gap if I was going to pick it so I feel like we have given it a good long gap but uh yeah, there's, I don't know, there's something about this film that really, really stuck with me. And I think it has a, a completely different tone to something like Like Home, even even though it is similar in structure as well as a lot of the themes that it's covering. Um, I think that there's a real kind of like disarming, kind of like gentleness, um, sort of... Gentleness. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> before darkness and... The, like the real kind of like mundanity and and also comedy of of the ordinary ordinary life um and i think that one of the strengths of this is there's a real authenticity to um the everyday portrayals of the people's lives um and i actually i find out um that uh when i've actually looked into this properly um that uh a lot like a lot of the the extras um and people in the background like it's set in a real town a lot of people in the background um obviously this is 1966 it would have been living memory a lot of the people in the background are real people who lived in that town and it gives a, a strange um authenticity while also having this um sort of like slight slight tinge of um um the fantastical and and the kind of like otherworldliness um but I think that um, that yeah, the, the kind of like the the portrayal of the everyday nature of occupation and the slow creep of of fascism and how the slower it creeps, the easier it is to ignore. And like kind of the worst crime of fascism being convincing kind of ordinary people that um, the other are they are different from you. They are not your concern. They're they're not like you. They're not. Like uh, even even as more of a power than fear is 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 indifference, and you know Tono has no real feeling towards the Jewish people in his his community, and um, I think like the the closer he gets to their community and the closer he gets to Rosalie, Rosalie, is her name Rosalie? Yeah, 
Rosalie. <laughs> and the closer he gets to her, the more and more uh, conflicted and confused and guilt-ridden he, he becomes. And um, I think that there's some real, like, just really oh, I just love this movie like real like tremendous detail in this of of like the the, the lives of um ordinary people but also like the, the the lives of like the jewish people and and like their own little community and like the way of life and, and the cooking and and um it's just it's really like beautiful little details in this um i think like one of the really really big strengths of this as well is is, is the characters um like there's a real like uh, nuance and a lack of true evil or or also true goodness the 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 jewish people are not um um they're not sainted or even rosalie herself like you know she she gives an awful lot as you know like she she has a she has a real sort of like sharpness to her and um while also being like fundamentally just this wonderful warm character uh and especially tono as well like he he manages to be uh, incredibly engaging and also quite um, sympathetic I think because of how conflicted he is um, and it's conflictedness that he doesn't even really understand he is he is like a, a you know a quite kind of harmless everyman but I think as he like he gains more and more respect for for the, the new people in his life it kind of it starts to add to the guilt and the conf- confusion that that he's feeling and it shows the kind of other side of the decisions made by ordinary people in these situations that they aren't always so flippant and so um, indifferent. Um, like a lot of a lot of like ordinary people would have had to make decisions about people in their neighborhood that they knew and they weren't all you know like it's it's an interesting portrayal I think of um, of a like a, just what is an ordinary person who's motivated by multiple things, not just greed, um, pressure from his wife, pressure from, you know, um, his own kind of like greed and, and want, you know, need, wanting to be, to have stature as much as money within the society. <clears throat> this is also just really funny. Um, like I think there's a lot of comedy in this and it's full of these like lovely, just little gentle moments. Um, like I, I think that scene just oh, I think the scene whenever the shop is really busy and like she's just screaming at him and like you know you see her kind of in her elements all these crazy women are like they want buttons they want you know they want ribbons they want fabric and she's just popping about like lighting her feet knows they were exactly where everything is and he's just like oh my god overwhelmed doesn't know where anything is and um it's just it's hilarious and like oh my god I think one of the things that really sums up this this the tone shifts or oh, the many layers of this is um the scene where she's going to buy the goose and <laughs> he because she's like you know in her own sort of like oblivious way and also like incredibly like thran we're like you know she's an old nearly blind nearly deaf woman she shouldn't really be going out to buy anything you know and never mind the incredibly precarious situation that she doesn't even realize that she's in she shouldn't be going out um so her like picking up the goose and then like walking along with it in her bag and the goose land like poking out while he's running around frantic and like the panic and the the realization of the situation is really starting to set in for him and for us I think as well as we're as we're watching it like the inevitability of where the story is going and the two things are happening at the same time it's the comedy and the darkness and the um and like it yeah I obviously all these these like moments as, as the movie just slowly but surely begins to darken and darken and darken and the inevitability of the and the trains coming in and the people starting to disappear and um i just i think there are some really wonderful moments in this and it is just a truly truly heartbreaking movie as well it kind of has a quite um very definitive very very upsetting um almost inevitable also ending um i think like visually as well like i think it's a really interestingly made movie um i i, I think it, it like what's the word um it's just it, it has a starkness and, and also a real beauty to it as well and um like the the way that they he handles sort of the change in style the change of the way it looks the sort of the 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 darkening of 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 the theme of it um so yeah i just i i thought that we would still have <laughs> fertile ground here 
Um, and I, I thought nothing like fascism to oh, fight yeah. in those days. It gives and gives. Um, but I thought that you in particular would um, would find this um, interesting, and even even if you didn't like the film itself, um, that you would find some interest in like the setting and the historical nature of it and everything. So, um, without further ado, Ricardo, what did you think of the shop on Main Street? Oh, to sway any doubts in the beginning, I'll say that I really liked the movie. Oh my god, I'd be so upset if you hadn't liked it. To be honest, because I just my seal of Holocaust approval. I'm no, not, I'm I'm not, not gonna to lie. I... <laughs> No, Whoa. as a histori- historian. I'm <laughs> uh, <coughs> um, not going to lie. I did um, almost cry while watching this um, because I like... Jesus, like that's like... No, but I don't tend Orla to cry. Orla doesn't have emotions when I she watches movies. I don't tend to cry at movies. And like, it's just because it's when you know where it's going as well. And it's like all the moment. It's not at the end that I well, I welled up. It was like in the middle when their relationship is really going going and you're just like no <laughs> not serious sorry go on uh, uh i did really like it but i think it, it is severely flawed as a film okay uh it is one again we haven't had one for a while we have the them end. all the fucking time ricardo <laughs> The ending is awful. Like, yeah, we do have to talk about those yeah. weird dream sequences. No, that but like, just made but that me... wasn't the issue for me. Like, okay. it's the actual what happens at the end. But mainly the why. Like, I realized while watching this movie that every time that I really have a big issue with the with any movie, not only the podcast, it's not how it's done or what happens in it. It's why it happens. That when I disagree of why it happens yeah. is when it's the the actual issue becomes like deeper the it affects the the entire like viewing of the film let's say i think that it's a movie quite undone like you are can i just say hideously hard to please and i remember whenever we started this podcast right and you were like i like everything i like everything this is gonna be super good you you shot on unforgiven so uh on the script of unforgiven all the to pick yeah. interesting and also, the one that really hit home in, in fairness is, and also in fairness uh, like uh, Eda is one of my favorite films of all time not like and stuff like it's it's just that like even this films is movie that I number love, 67 Ricardo yeah but even movies that I really love that I watch myself like the first time like uh, I I'm not hard to please in, in in the sense of like I wouldn't like I'd watch this movie gladly again or whatever but I think that in this case the the ending is quite like specifically considering how well the movie deals with everything beforehand mm. I think that uh, like uh, I want to go further into it l- later on in the episode but uh, I think that it undermines a lot of what the movie was saying beforehand mm. and what the thesis of the movie is in itself. So uh, that's why I have a big issue with the ending. It's just that it's a movie that deserves a better ending rather than because I loved so much uh, of what happened earlier, you know? Mm. Uh, Do you think the ending is, is too, too definitive? No, like uh, I'll, I'll get to it later on because okay. I just want to do like the performances are great for one. And it's always difficult when uh, watching kind of like not a huge production 60s kind of a country that is not oh, famous yeah, for yeah, yeah. filmmaking there, there's some really like the, the side characters in this I think um, like and that's that's only helped yeah. by their good performances and like uh, it's kind of like interesting also the the as a film to be made during uh, Soviet time era so yeah. uh, it is obviously because all Soviet countries the uh, filmmaking was run through a, a central committee really that uh, it is a film that is really about collaboration and there's not even a hint of a of a resistance anywhere that even let's say uh Lucien, even though like most of the characters are collaborators there's still well, a the resistance re- in the background yeah. and in the end the resistance yeah like a- uh, for example in this case it, the the resistance is not even mentioned or like the closest thing to a resistance is uh, your man uh, was a shoom the the friend the neighbor guy oh, the, the white jew or the, the yeah the white jew what no, do they call him yeah they call him the white jew yeah. because like he you know, the the jew lover let's say quote unquote uh who was a very good character i thought as well and then you have Kant, the the barber was really good oh, as well cats. 
but like also the movie includes a rambunctious drunken dinner party which is one of it's my w- favorite things in movies it's way where... too long though that is no, no, one no, no, thing no, no, no. no i think no, slightly no, slightly no like too any long. any any party scene like that the same i stand by like fucking <laughs> even shit like uh uh like the wedding scene in the deer hunter <laughs> that any scene the when the, are they gonna get to vietnam <laughs> any scene the the point is to get from a to b but about getting really fucked up in the moments in between as well yeah if it is even shorter than this then you don't have the 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 journey let's say to get really drunk otherwise it's like you're sober and then you're drunk but even though obviously he gets it's not real time but you feel like the the drink and yeah, progressing the many, and the stuff. Yeah, the many the many levels of it. And it's it and it is meant to feel long. I think in every oh definitely in, yeah, in, yeah in any scene like that also because you ended up watching drunk people as a sober person. Mm. So it's nothing more like horrible also to see yourself slowly, in that character. But you're so. slow because it's slowly happening yeah. as well that it's that it you're kind of almost implicit in the whole thing by the time they're plastered, but you're still sober yourself. So it's yeah. like this weird uh, and then also it's the fact that you're you're watching it uh y- they're developing the characters and the plot or whatever. So like you you can't like if if you like if suddenly the character does something that is not uh natural to him, let's say Tony not being a uh, uh, Tono not being a particularly uh, backbony person, let's say, mm. and then uh, trying and failing to have a backbone. I think. Yeah, and in this case, having like rising up to to his brother-in-law, that he never would do it sober. So you really need to build up that moment and explain that is the drink really, and that's also because it comes back later. That is really to portray how bad of a drunk he is, mm. and I think that like it develops. Uh, Perfectly. The, the the main issues that I have with the movie, uh, um, besides the ending, is the the portrayal of the, the the town crier himself, mm. and also the um, not not per se pacing issues of the, of the movie, but I think that the the middle sags a bit. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, but n- not to a terrible sense. Of, like mm. I don't think that. I think it's that you still care enough about what the characters yeah, and what's happening to them, so it doesn't. Yeah, but there's no uh, like I think even in the short term movie, it's something that it could have been used for something better than, uh, especially for uh, the threat at the end, the 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 stakes. Let's say get like let's say this movie is about two hours and five minutes. Yeah. And really the threat of pure, like the pure threat just comes in the last 15 minutes. Mm. And I think that in a way it's effective because it's like that kind of like shifting of the page that uh, so it, from like mild anti-Semitism becomes an actual life in that situation. And I thought that that was interesting. But at the same time, I thought that the middle part would have been maybe even like... Uh, if you give them a little, maybe even if you'd moved up Say like whenever um they take like cats and people like that 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 happens quite late into yeah. the film as well and like yeah, yeah like it, or even like if the if it was done through subtext mm. not that the threat that Tono doesn't realize that it's coming but we as the audience realize a little bit earlier so everything is tinged with like on the second viewing obviously you know what it's coming but on the first viewing I'm trying to remember yeah uh, the. The, the other thing is that as soon as I saw the dog in the beginning of the movie, it was like, he's going to die. And I was happy that the dog was all right at the end of the movie. <laughs> that, that that was the my happy ending. But at the end, obviously, the the movie, it's it, it's a strange ending, of course. Um, but when it comes to the portrayal of fascism and comedies, this is what I think probably inspired uh, Life is Beautiful quite a lot. The mm. infusion of mm. comedy and the Holocaust and mm. like a proof that it's not... Two things that are um, necessarily uh, detached from each other. Mm. Uh, like, and you understand why Jerry Lewis tried to make a Holocaust comedy. Not that, but it's one of the most difficult fucking topics to deal as a comedy, let's say. Mm. Uh, this achieve- mostly achieves it. Now, I, I love, like, the portrayal of, like, small town Central European or European in general towns in that era. Uh, 
reminded me a bit of Cinema Paradiso and such. Yes. Like on the hundred percent, yeah. Not on the level of exactly what's happening on screen, but the mm. level of detail on the creation the of the community of the little yeah. world. Yeah, it feels very real. And and whenever like I love the those scenes of whenever he's fixing her furniture and like the people are just walking in and out of her yeah. house because and they because they look after her like the community like this woman who like you Goes know the is, market uh, and she's then... completely like looked after by her community like the kind of community that doesn't exist very much anymore and it's it's i just i love those shots as well of like the, the child coming in and the dog and the other issue that i have with the movie is uh, the scene when he beats the shit out of his wife when tono beats the shit out of his wife i found that completely out of place in the movie yeah and also very like uh the way that it's shot is very Felt morally a, it's corrupt a bit 60s. it's 60s it makes you almost feel that she deserves it yeah like and then afterwards you're like oh god oh god no 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 it's the it's the it's the point of the way that it's shot oh, she's and just shallow with, yeah. she's just shallow and only cares about money and no obviously like uh, she deserves some sort of a comeuppance because she not only shallow that she's in a way evil but in the way that fascism makes the normal people evil that you were talking about earlier on that Tona is talking about somebody going to die and she's like well before she dies you have to get check her to man- tell her yeah, where, where, where her is. fortune is so like uh, like even like that's the thing even one slap would have been like cinematically no, but enough he really goes for yeah. it and also it's shot that you can tell that he's hitting her like that, you see her cheek moving and stuff. And you never know in this guy in the situation because it's not like uh, exactly if it came how out nowadays. Uh, you know that the the actress would have a discussion with the actor about how to play it, hmm. and perhaps give him the permission to do it or whatever. But at that time in yeah, Czech Republic, it's, well, no, Czechoslovakia. Just... Sorry. Uh, yeah. Sorry, no. Czech well. Republic. Yeah. But back before it. Uh... It split. Yeah. But yeah, like. I know, I know exactly what you mean, and it's it's the fact that it's it's so swiftly handled as well. Like it, it's literally he beats the shit out of her and leaves, and it's never dealt with again. Like there's no there's no coming back around to that character, and she is one of the 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 weaker characters in it. Like I think even though you kind of understand where she's coming from, um, I, I think that even in comparison to like the 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 uh, brother in law, I think that she she feels a bit thin. Um, which and especially up against um, other characters that get even less time than she does, and they yeah. feel you know a hundred percent more um, lived nuanced. in kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. She feels a bit too. She's a bit too gleeful and a bit too you know. Where's her money? You know, she's and, the nagging wife, and also she's the clear kind of uh, counter argument of how Jewish people are seen as greedy and uh, yeah, and uh, like. Uh, what you call it, like cheap as well. Mm. The, she takes the tight, like, like the <coughs> the accusation that is leveled to the Jewish people and carries it on. Let's say, and also like all the characters in a way, except the Jewish people. The the Jews are the ones that are kind of like not giving a shit about money and kind of like taking the piss that they're like that. Tono is so obsessed with money, yeah. Like when they're paying him in the in the barber shop and. He's just like moving the cash around and Tono's eyes are just following the cash. <laughs> yeah, while he's also talking to him. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Um, yeah, I think conversation and the way people communicate is, is such an interesting thing in this. Like just how um, from almost the get-go, like Tono and Rosalie are like an old married couple and how yeah. they're both talking, but neither not talking to each other. They're kind of talking at each other about two completely different things a lot of the time. And it's just... It's so beautifully handled, like the way they play off each other, and I was kind of disappointed that they, uh, they like on the subtitles they subtitle both of them, yeah, because uh, she's talking in Yiddish to him most of the time, so that's why he can't understand what she's saying. It's not that her English. I thought is it was poor. only some of it though. Like some of it, like but like quite a lot and everything. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Kind of I thought it was, I thought because she says certain words where you're like. Oh, but most of the time I didn't get it at all. Oh, really? But you don't notice because it's subtitled. Yeah, and then because uh. I don't speak uh, either one, I'm not, like my knowledge of either language is not particularly good to robust. be able to be able to differentiate between the the two yeah. the two of them speaking, and so like uh, th- 
like uh, I might be completely wrong here, but like that's what uh, my understanding it because it is uh, also like marked as a in Yiddish and yeah Slovakian the uh, in the languages in the, she's not, the yeah no like she definitely is speaking both though because obviously she's talking to um Mister Blau obviously she's talking to him in um in uh, Slovakian so at certain points because obviously he doesn't speak Yiddish so um. <coughs> those are your those are your key your key issues yeah like uh the dealing with the town crier the ending uh bit of the middle that is neutral why the town crier i think that it's um it's kind of a trope in that kind of movie that it's been since the 40s and also includes uh fucking uh uh cinema paradiso that there's like the the town crazy person is cool, there yeah. that every time that there's like a, a film in set in a small town anywhere like a, there's it, always a fool he speaks a, the truth yeah there's a fool that speaks the truth that like nowadays michael shannon probably plays like a <laughs> revolutionary the first one i thought of that's so funny oh one mind um <laughs> yeah no i kind of agree but i think that he's in it so little that it, it doesn't it didn't really impact on my my yeah but he's so pivotal for the plot he's like yeah. the voice of reason as always to uh, like and it's a trope that pisses me off because it's lazy because you can do it with like one visual you have to show it's like 1966 though yeah is, but like is it, is it quite as much of a trope as we see it now? yeah because uh, that's from like westerns film noirs every yeah, like since the 30s has been around and it's something that it was it's not entirely a film trope either is it like no it's in books yeah. and novels like Plays, this is probably a novel. yeah yeah like it's yeah. like it's a shakespearean plot yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's it's been on for as long as time but it's been overused and when it's not used for something like interesting mm. in an interesting way it's kind of uh, like in my shoulder <laughs> oh yeah but like it's the michael shannon just fills any scene with like some kind of dread and like horror in the background uh like when the, he shows up in the World Trade Center to show up to like save people, imagine like being trapped in the robot and like his like, big face, <laughs> like Michael Shannon's like fucking big, like. But he's lovely ten though. Mi- ten miles under the sea, fish eyes, just like glare at you. <laughs> he is lovely though, cause like, oh, yeah, like he his, was on Colbert recently, and he's just such a nice man, and he just has such a serious face, and obviously yeah, he's gets so shy as well. Like when you um, but, yeah, but obviously okay. his greatest role is in uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> he turns up with his wife, his wife to be. Oh god! Yeah, they get tickets for WrestleMania. <laughs> and he's probably like nineteen years old and still has the same serious head in him. Yeah, he looks about fifty too already. <laughs> With her weird thin body, so fucking strange. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, big Lego head on him. He does have a Lego head. He's strangely handsome though, as yeah. well. Like he just has such a great presence. Um, even in like subpar movies, like even in something like um, um, all oh, that thing with um Kristen Stewart about uh the runaway. Is it this the called the Runaways where he plays um what was that famous agent um. And he's just perfect. Like every scene he's in, he's so great. And he almost looks like your man as well. <coughs> um, sorry, but anyways, back to this movie. Um, yeah, I kind of understand what, what you mean about, about that being kind of problematic. Um, it didn't, didn't really bother me, but um, it is... Like, obviously, sometimes a movie is filled with... Like, not that this movie is filled with tropes, but sometimes whenever something has tropes and doesn't necessarily do something particularly interesting with them but manages to get away with it for whatever reason yeah. and it sticks out the, it was just a little bit too obvious I think, yeah it sticks like, out uh, a bit in a film like this because so much of it is so is so subtle and genuine as well yeah genuine is is the real like it's it's it it, it manages to be both like cr- like so like critical of, of fascism but also incredibly um like sympathetic to its characters and like it just it really has some of the, the most wonderful scenes like the scene where she puts on the record um and she's talking about her husband and she's just like she puts her head right up right up to listen because she obviously can't hear properly and she's yeah. just like calmly dancing and it's so beautifully shot like in this weird like little cramped little house 
um when she's like making him soup and like i love that whenever like um when she's making him um uh uh shabbos dinner and she does the whole thing you know and like I'm, oh it's just it's so it's beautiful it's little, it's such like, be- <laughs> it just reminded me of uh, like fucking uh west wing and west wing weekly all the discussion about like the jewish tradition oh you know i'm stuff. learning i learned so much of like the like, of yiddish really because yeah. there's so much of like what would that be or what would the yiddish version of my name be or whatever you know it's like um yeah joshua molina is uh he's a he's like a proper practicing jew um proper scholar of the i think scholar is a good word yeah because he, he has a, like a incredible well of knowledge and just before i forget uh, the mr bow scene is seems lifted out of a coen brothers movie where he just shows up with his beard and like it's it's such an odd like kind of like you know it's almost like if the Coen brothers did like a rewrite of just that scene because it's so odd they it's had the this like Coen brother it's like, the barber shop as well yeah. it's just like fucking um uh, man without a yeah man without a pass or man without a man without a pass no the man without a pass no that's no, no. that's uh no the, um, the man uh he wasn't there yeah there we go <laughs> the man without a pass the man without a face the man with two brains starring Steve Martin. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, it's I lo- I really love the the scenes in the barbershop as well. And he's very Coen Brothers actually. I think in like several ways is quite Coen Brothers. I also sort of like weirdly thought of um of uh, Patterson. Um, whenever he's like walking down this like the the streets where he's constantly going up and down, there's a lot of kind of like moving with him as he's like going up and, and down, talking this- to himself. Yeah, and like even when he picks up like the thing of like the horseshoe and everything, like picking it up and throwing it over his shoulder, and like all these like little odd little moments. Oh, it's just I love this movie. <laughs> like it also, it's the the funny thing that I was expecting. Like when uh, you said the shop on Main Street, uh, I immediately thought that it was the shop around the corner, which is uh, like the film that you got mail is based on. Uh, and then this was completely different, obviously. Um, <laughs> really <laughs> why would you say that uh, do you want to tackle the ending just to make sure that we have enough time oh shit actually uh, yeah okay um, why didn't you like the ending of Gerardo well like uh, I didn't like the ending because like I didn't have a problem with the weird dream mass sequence about well, dream mass sequence <laughs> the weird ass dream sequences uh, because like uh, I, I'm always a sucker for those uh not weird ass it's uh, funny, dream like, sequences I, mean. I remember the first time I watched this and I was like oh what the fuck this is so terrible it's such a shift it doesn't work at all and the second time they didn't really bother me at all and I, I'm not entirely sure why that is but the issue that I had is for one it begins with how out of nowhere it's like the the train situation the Jews getting kicked out is really? well like for one if the, the, the guy with the train cars that is the, the guy that says every says that yeah like but the train is at the start though like you know the train is no you see the train with the soldiers going to the front because they're going towards the russian front yeah so it it can be like an allusion to what's going the same way when he picks up the rope in his his shed yeah it's an allusion that he's gonna do a fucking brooks at the end of the fucking movie uh (laughs) go on Brooks was here. Like, that's what he needed to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these walls are... T- no, I've been feeling, like, very Shawshank lately. Getting that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> these walls. <laughs> but, like, getting snowed in is, like, just waiting to put opera on. And it's like, I just want to believe that they were singing about something so beautiful that words could not put it, describe them. Uh, but my main issue is, like, the, like, fucking... He doesn't have to live with, like, the consequences of his decision. Like the, he just immediately takes the no it's that he what happens is clearly an accident yeah you know he's committing suicide because he accidentally killed an old lady it's not that like for me is that it, it doesn't have the strength of its convictions to either have him protect her and then get caught and then get killed mm. or have him give her over I think that the film would have been way stronger if he oh, had no. gone through with it or oh no one or the I, th- other, I think the, or con- the conflicted the conflicted the fact that he kind of does both where he like 
oh, he's trying to save her while also like he's like talking to himself and to her at oh, the yeah, same like, time being like I think that completely not, like, I, I think added that, to the this, the tragedy like, of it I, that I he, like that like yeah. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that I think that it's like having her die by tripping or whatever and just falling is uh, a complete cop on I felt cop out a cop out and really? also like the like the entire movie is about like the decisions of what you do when you're in that situation mm. and in the end the decision is taken out of him because like he doesn't do like he d- doesn't do either because he's like frantically like in his brain like having the the two the devil and the little angel on his shoulders telling him what to do and he's flipping from one page to the other like mm per second and that was so well played and such i think that the perfect ending would have been like that nearly comes to it when the, it would have been that his failure to either commit to one or the other ultimately nearly, ultimately gets her caught mm. and like it would have been brilliant and i thought that that's where the film was going at that moment that gets uh, her caught and then i suppose him and also... but like that he is kind of seen as like a hero to the to the fascist mm. almost that they think that he did it on purpose but, but he really, did it accidentally he bumbled into it like yeah. he bumbled into everything else yeah like if it was that but also that it is like his mistake not to like fully like commit to 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 help her. and i i did felt so disappointed with that ending specifically because i thought when they announced the what was going to happen with the the train coming in and such and that her card wasn't delivered i thought that a lesser film and i thought this movie was going to turn into a lesser film would have turned into him just hiding her and then like mm. a little like some sort of like hijinks about like for hours of like them kind of Oh like no! I knew that. Down. I knew that wasn't gonna happen, but still, very glad it didn't because that would have been very disappointing. But like that's that's what I even like. I don't think that killing her by mistake, like by accident, would have been like. Maybe it's because he's drunk. Obviously, in the mm. end, that he. But She's it's completely out of old. character for Tono to just do that, like that. You know, like just go seize uh, like this shitty old ring <laughs> yeah uh, the... you wonder if that's gonna hold him i do also think perhaps i don't have a problem with the fact that he does ultimately kill himself no i don't have a problem like with the... that yeah. it's just that like my biggest issue but my it's only issue really is how she dies but okay. that is what the entire movie is coming to mm. so i don't think that the killing her by mistake is a big enough sin to because they talk about sins all the time in the movie to warrant uh, like to earn his suicide at the mm. end as a point of like sadness or whatever and to earn that dream sequence at the end and I think that it would have really really worked if it was like that he does it by mistake and let's say that she dies like straight away because she's old mm. and that, and as well like it's kind of hilarious that she's like ah look at her how old she is she's 74 and like she's about like <laughs> fucking like literally one slight push away from death yeah and like it makes you see but she's how a wiry the... old lady though like she i mean i you know you see that she in like in multiple scenes you see that even though she is incredibly decrepit she's still able she's still like lighting her feet at certain yeah. moments and able to like even whenever he wakes her up in the middle of the night and she's just like oh it happens all the time <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like puts him so granny sleep. yeah it's so heartbreaking but like you know at the same time she's just like oh you're drunk you know and she shoves him and she's like and then he sleeps in <laughs> it's the fact that he then goes to sleep anyways it's like this he's just complete and utter like failure to take any decisive action in any direction you know like the complete just and it's not even ineptitude it's 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 just like you know the ability to make a decision or to really you know what you are what you're you know what kind of person are you you know what, what? so clumsy yeah <laughs> He reminded me of me a lot and the <laughs> on the clumsy side of things, nah. <laughs> okay. Not the other bits. <laughs> the, the well, I was gonna say fascist leanings, but the thing is that he doesn't have any yeah. fascist leanings. He's he's almost like uh, that's why I think he's such an, an interesting character. And I, I I did love also that when he goes up to the monument when I start to think, 
oh, like the first time you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, he he just doesn't like facets or whatever when they're coming in. I was like, no, it's just like it's, he he's petty against he his brother-in-law. Like oh my god, that scene whenever um, is it was it Mark the name of the, the Marcus the, yeah yeah um, whenever <laughs> he first comes into the house. <laughs> like their faces are absolutely priceless because obviously like his wife is so excited whereas like Tono's just like Ugh. we forgot the caviar how could we forget the caviar this is such a shame this it's is so awesome. it's such a like i think yeah like even though i do that like, it did yeah, feel slightly too long but at the same time it is a great drinking scene yeah. like absolutely the way it does build and like just the sheer the sheer decadence of it, reminds, as well. it it's a scene straight out of wake and fright oh like. my god that's exactly what i thought even whenever they're like outside peeing as well and like it's and they're like stumbling around and and like the we're never getting um i do i do love um even like how like the the, the gold um the shiny gold plated cigarette case and how it like glints into his eyes and everything like it's so like oh even like the scene whenever him and like the wife with um i think they're like pastries or something they're eating and it's like oh you shouldn't have spent so much money and they're just there like shoving the pastries into their yeah, faces yeah but like he's such an idiot as well that he just gets the money that is meant to be his monthly wages and he just is like this is what i got from the till today so she's like straight away yeah oh yeah can't... every day imagine if you're we'll go to much. buy a house it's like no uh, no land she's like already oh yeah <laughs> with the animals yeah like oh yeah it's just it's he really like there there is no the, even whenever he he gets to um the first time he goes to the shop and he can't find the letter in his pocket because he's just like you know i'm here i'm really important and he's like fuck where's the letter and he's there in like an ill-fitting suit and he just looks like a boy like dressed it, as a man. And even the the word arianator is like so fucking like that he goes i'm your arian and it's like he's the least arian looking yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but what did you think of the ending actually like that we went on a little bit of a tangerine there <laughs> tangerine um i don't have as much of a problem with the the ending i'm trying very hard to remember what i thought of it the first time and if if i found it more abrupt because i didn't know you know exactly what's going to happen at the end so you don't have quite the build-up but I, i'm not i'm not sure but I do kind of agree with you about the way she dies. And it's like, I remember kind of like, it feels as if at certain points it could have ended a little bit earlier and left it more ambiguous. And that they, there's like, there's maybe three or four shots too many, I think, at the end. To the point at which it started stressing me out because I was afraid that they were going to like show him hanging and that it was going to become too graphic and like that, that it was going to linger too long whenever well, all I wanted was them to pull it. You know what I mean? To just just cut it a little bit earlier. But I think just that the dolly final... dolly in to his feet. <laughs> oh, I think the final shots um, kind of redeem it. Um, and then obviously the, the, the strange somehow working um dream sequence <laughs> it did make me think of the conversation um but i i don't think i had, had as much of a problem with the the way that she dies but at the same time like you're you describing what it could have been it i do think that would have been better but at the same time i it didn't it, it, like it didn't it, like undermine the rest of the yeah. film for me i think and that that's kind of like the the most important thing really is that it didn't it didn't ruin the last of the rest of the film um uh, but also I had an issue with the actual suicide like I said that of not earning it yeah because especially since they don't show any suicidal tendencies for like self-destructive yes but not suicidal yeah. early on feels and like a step too far and too quickly yeah and out of nowhere and also I think like I'm always um cautious of like how suicide often uh, is used just as a as a plot device when uh even something like rape usually is dealt even let's say uh even though female characters that are raped in movies 
often are dealt with in a way that they're like just the plot point of being raped and yeah, they're the they're, car- they're really... the victim rather it's than usually a character. to create a revenge for fantasy for the man but in the end uh, but it also cre- but at the same time it, it, the most films do explore <laughs> the the actual trauma that that creates mm. even though like they forget to show the uh, that the person is still human in there and can like enjoy a movie and try to do it and it's the Have horrible multiple thing. emotions at yeah. the same time yeah but uh, suicide and depression don't usually get the same time of day in movies mm. as or they're dealt they're dealt with in a more offhand manner Hollywood yeah. way let's say like Hollywood cancer kind of way that's why like I mentioned Brooks earlier on like as a joke but also to the point that when it's done right actually mm. it's earned and it's, it's dealt more with impactful the, almost yeah. than just shocking and also like informative also because it makes you realize even how someone gets to a certain yeah. stage yeah and then you like with that kind of thing you can see it in your friends and you can see it also in yourself like no like because like roger Ebert once said that films are like empathy machines mm. so like it just makes you reanalyze uh, your position in the world but this movie what well, it did, did do and like i hope that this doesn't come out the wrong way well there's no way of like phrasing this in the right way but i think it's something that it's important for the film it's one of the few films that made me realize how I in that in the situation that they're in both like where they live their level of education and stuff I wouldn't put myself that I wouldn't join the, the fascist party at the time mm. there like with the information that they have no hindsight the education that they have in the society that they're living in you know what I mean mm. that like obviously Ricardo Deacon in 2018 ireland with the education and life that i've had and my knowledge of history i never join anything that starts with a fa <laughs> so this is the movie that gave you that realization that you would never do it no no or no. what sorry you made that but i need to open very clear no the, like me as i am now wouldn't do it but like me as a person who was just born let's say if i'm just dropped somewhere mm. that given the situ- the conditions that they lived in yeah. Like, I don't think that I can say unequivocally way, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I'd hope that mm. I would never join it, but like, without the that, education that, that you have the, and stuff like that. That particular scenario that you're you're envisioning there, that is the ultimate hypothetical because it yeah. is like of a different time, of a different. But then, obviously, with modern times, it makes you also not sympathetic or even empathize, but it makes you understand people that voted for Trump or is going in the right way because there's a lot of nationalism in this movie. And it, yeah. it, when you're left behind, when you feel that you're left behind in your entire, uh, like the the, the world coal miner is changing or whatever in West you, Virginia yeah. doesn't know sh- jack shit about like London or whatever. Why does he even give a shit about Brexit or mm. whatnot? You know. He like, just cares about having a job and feeding yeah. his family. And it's like keeping his guns. Yeah, these two guns. Uh, flex <laughs> there. Uh. <laughs> just to be clear, actually, doesn't do a very, very good podcast on um, you know, white supremacy and fascism and how we cover it. Do we ignore the Richard Spencers of the world, or do we um, um, do we expose them, or what is the correct we way to punch them in the face? Yeah, obviously. Uh, we don't make uh, vice documentaries about them. We punch them in the face. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, on the media, the um, NPR show, which was quite good. But um, yeah, it's um, troubling times, let's say. Well, it's... Uh, as we as, retreat uh, further into our bubbles. As uh, Kevin Costner so eloquently put it in JFK, if it smells like it, it feels like it. We call it for what it is. Oh, um, he did a beautiful little impression no, like, yeah. there. It was, it was, it was also, by like a complete dejection, anybody that hasn't seen the fucking trailer for Yellowstone have to watch it. <laughs> Kevin Costner, Taylor Sheridan, enough said. Amazing. I Thank mean, you. Like, it just, I mean, it just, I'm, oh, whenever I saw it, it's like, you know, Kevin Costner's face. I was like, okay, oh, that's going to be funny. And then I was like, oh oh this might actually be pretty good as well actual Kevin Costner but I'm telling you and I was thinking and I was like it's like a McCostasense yeah you know because I was thinking about it and I was like you know he was in Molly's Game yeah uh, you know not a brilliant no, it started film. with The Guardian 
No, that's when he started being an actual good actor instead of a but face. He is great in yeah, okay, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give you that. And to be fair, in my mind that movie was made in two thousand and four, but it was actually made in like two thousand and eleven. So or no, when was it? Two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine, yeah, there we go. So much more recent than um that I ever imagined because it's such a like early naughty's movie, but um yeah okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that but I'm, he has had quite like a lot of like it was in uh, forbidden uh, forget forgotten figure uh, hidden figures hidden figures he's pretty decent in that yeah. as well I love that movie uh anyways we have gone uh, although Off Kevin Costner is never a tangent um oh shit, okay yeah so. we had the uh, Michael Shannon <laughs> and Kevin Costner uh, who never, will be next never a tangent. Um, yeah, so uh, Ricardo, do you have any closing comments? And if not, what was your favorite thing in this film? Well, closing comments would be the first of all, I really enjoyed it. I think the performances are particularly good. Uh, uh, notably, the, the brother in law, I think he's a very interesting character, uh, especially because it is so uh, he could have been such yeah. a like, like that the villainous is the system rather than him, you know, like yeah. that they even like. He's so just a bureaucrat that even pity, it, it, like the pity or whatever the the town crier thinks mm. that he forgot your one like uh, Rosaline on purpose because he's such a nice brother-in-law. Mm. And um, and uh, I like all the scenes between Kusher and uh, and Antonio as well. Like, uh, oh, I, he's great. Oh. Just when uh, he's getting the face massage, that like I I've never wanted to. It both looked like the nicest thing to get, and then the least nice thing to get. It's a bit it's, personal, isn't it? It's a bit close and. Yeah, but like when he starts, like it's kind of like really massagey, and then like as he has to act more, it just becomes kind of like double slapping across <laughs> the face. And I don't know if that is like You're a double karate chop yeah. in the neck. Oh, oh man, that is the greatest thing ever to live and die in LA is in my heart. Callbacks. Uh, any final thoughts for yourself? Uh, no, I just I I love this movie, and I'm really glad that you did actually enjoy it. Um, and I I think as well, I do I do completely understand the problems that you had with it. Um, and uh, I'm glad that it didn't feel um I, that it added something to our pantheon of these movies, and and not um, um didn't feel like retreading territory. Let's say like it does have a like uh like it's weird because also uh, our travel through the world war Two. let's say uh, like there's hasn't not really touched germany <laughs> yeah but it hasn't really touched the war per se there's mm. never like if, for example a lot of uh, occupation movies yeah like uh the or yeah because even come and see uh uh <laughs> that's the that's the automatic not. sound that's 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 but like uh pr- particularly Ida as well mm. uh it, it also it does help like then it's like the academic the academy ratio like there's something about the mm. uh, oh, that in like the use of 50 mil lenses that creates a sense of realism that uh, like doing wide lens for like not wide lens um widescreen widescreen somehow makes it more cinematic you know mm. that like this feels a lot more personal and something similar to american honey as well that like the that aspect ratio suits itself to something more uh small and it's kind of like it's the is the weird thing when you think about world war ii and the the, the scope of mm. an, a human event that how, like, how do you go how do you get yeah. into it how do you you know and this is the way through the small stories of yeah. the normal people yeah and how many stories haven't been told and can be told and will be told you know See, like these these are my thing. favorite war movies not the not the dunkirks uh, <laughs> my so... uh, favorite thing about the movie is <laughs> yes. uh uh with uh uh first of all uh the grand pre-position will be the cinematography that mm. i haven't mentioned that much but like it has a real flow to it and, yeah uh, very well uh, edited as well i think yeah, yeah. Uh, and it also has like uh it has a lot of movement that mm. you forget about it's just naturalistic movement it's uh all with the very kind of cruel sour style filmmaking the mm, yeah uh the it's kind of using the camera movement and movement in the background to create like layers mm. of action, particularly uh, within her house. Yeah, yeah, you and see I, that a lot. And I think that that, that, that was particularly outside. good. The dog I also liked, but I think, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, t- yeah, I fucking love dogs. Uh, you do. 
and Tono's performance has to be it. Like it, mm. it, it is like that kind of like character piece, really movie that uh, it he just carries, follows you. He person. carries yeah. the whole film. 100%. Yeah, like if his performance is shit, the entire movie is crap. Mm. Like there's no way about it. Same way as like why well, you mentioned Jane Hackman, the conversation, whatever. It's like that kind of very point of view character. Mm. Um, I think that like that kind of movie requires a huge amount of trust from the directors to the actors and vice versa. So I think that I don't know, I'm glad that they cast him and like a, like a no check film, especially of like between the 60s and the 80s mm. uh, were great, but it's very hard to to find these mm. days or even like this, to, this benefits to from the fact that it did win the Academy Awards. Yeah. So I think it's a bit more like like out there. Kind yeah, of thing. which is which is, is good in a way. But then, I mean, how many other great movies came out in that decade that will never be seen by anyone but until like, yeah fucking movie or somebody pick you know like does a season or something you know which is why in a way we're better poised now at least to see these films and also shout out to Janus films i think is like oh, the yeah, production yeah, yeah. company with, is like um, the sixth or seventh movie that we we've yeah well them in, in collaboration with criterion yeah like it's um they, we do you do you do we do with them owe them a lot like and even their 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 platforms their streaming platforms and stuff like it's getting the access because it, it you know it is really quite upsetting whenever you can't get something it's like you know even you can't even get it on dvd it's like yeah. just it's it's oh, quite Jesus, upsetting i remember when i are... had to fucking track down empire Go to laser. The and there was no empire <laughs> there was no vhs there was no fucking uh uh back when you had to tape uh, things dvd and there was the laser disc and i remember one day i saw that they were moving showing them part of the sun the next day and i was like oh can i stay home from school so i can tape it um and my mom said yeah and i slept in and the <gasps> film was like a 10 in the morning oh, oh. no what was your favorite thing <laughs> <girl? laughs> um probably their relationship um because I, I do love his performance so much but them playing off each other because she's also wonderful um it, it's just the little moments of them that that are truly heartbreaking and like the the warmth that develops between them and it's just oh the scenes and in, in, in within her house they're they're just really really wonderful and oh, I really love hit the scenes of him making the furniture as yeah. well like it's so like the process and talking yeah, to the little no. Danko kid that like, yeah. he disappears and comes back it's like <laughs> yeah. such a... I love yeah it, it it's very it feels so it feels authentic and, and like um, the difference between when Danko comes back and the neighbor just takes him in straight away to hide him while yeah. like uh, that that was heartbreaking yeah oh god whenever they think the child is missing and oh. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's just wonderful. So, uh, what was your least favorite thing? The ending, but uh, really like uh, plot wise would be the uh, how she dies. But really, I have a big issue with the his suicide. Mm. Like the the unearned suicide scenes in movies are very troubling. Uh, in a way, that, unearned any trauma yeah in a movie it is probably like i think particularly suicide it's but especially when it's like at the very ending of the movie mm-hmm. that like you have had these two hours to obviously Ida is another point. is a is a strong comparison there because it's so that, yeah that's an errand that is and, it's, and it comes out of fucking way more no out mm-hmm. of nowhere that there's no even foreshadowing like the rope mm-hmm. in this that is because the rope is a little bit too noosey as well. <laughs> the, like, you know when uh, when he gets it from his uh, shed, yeah, he's like holding it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit too noosey. I get it. I get you. I get you. Um, I was like, oh, someone is gonna hang later. On. But I thought that he was gonna get hanged himself for hiding her. You know, like as uh, like in the in the was town. That something they would have done. Like the fucking Nazis have done everything. Like uh, well, unfortunately, yeah, true, like yeah, it's true. not like. Like it wasn't their modus operandi now. Like mm. uh, they're more like of uh, putting you against the wall and shoot you. But like it depends on well, depending where you on are. the particular madness of the particular troop. I suppose. It was a very big genocide, unfortunately. Like mm. fucking uh, yeah. What was your least favorite thing? I probably would have said the middle before we talked because I do think that it it does drift drift a little bit, but. Probably now the ending now that we, we've kind of talked about it and I, I do kind of agree with you what it could have been and it would have added a lot, I think. Um, but at the same time, it's not, it's not a massive, massive criticism. Oh yeah, like I still love the, the film. It's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of, we've talked about before that it just doesn't <laughs> stick the landing. Yeah. But, it, it, but it's not about sticking the landing per se. It's like if it doesn't stick the landing, but 
if it doesn't stick the landing but it is still following the 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 thesis of the movie or by not following it creates a different meaning mm. like i don't have an issue that if it is not perfect but it is when it's kind of doesn't do a or b it, it just kind of it sags as it like mm. it's a a damp squid it's a bit baggy yeah it's like a damp squid of an ending squib squib okay i thought it was damp squid for you no, always you only damp squib yeah that is a thing um yeah so uh um yeah that that was uh <laughs> that was the shop on main street um it is not the shop around the corner no uh it is great it, it is it's not the hardest thing to find either so i think um anyone who have uh, has any interest in uh feeling um definitely don't be don't be put off by the fact that the holocaust is in the description because um although it is incredibly heartbreaking it um it has some such just wonderful warm moments and it is really quite funny there's some great lines in this yeah. as well uh yeah so uh where can they find instagram uh at the right game on twitter the recommendation game on facebook the recommendation game at gmail.com if you want to email us and you can also find us on the dublin digital radio mixed cloud uh, if you want to support independent Irish radio, please donate to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. Next week's movie is Ricardo's pick. Ricardo, what are you picking? Uh, we're going back to the 90s, baby. It Whee! is the sweet hereafter. I was Orton Venus. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.